Physical or spiritual, literal or metaphysical, and on and on and on. 
Instead, I have to remember how Jesus responded to this bullying and why that might be good news for us today. Rather than be trapped by the Sadducees this morning, Jesus pivots like a really good martial artist and redirects that negative energy being hurled towards him. This is a passage, I think, that can remind us of our ancestors' compassion to provide for the least of those among us, given their context. Remember that women, especially widows, were the penultimate of the forgotten, the powerless, with no ability to care or provide for themselves, no ability to own property, let alone to be seen and heard as individuals. So maybe, maybe we can do exactly the same today. Maybe we too can pivot just a bit and remember God is a God of the living, of all the living, the hungry, the exploited, the underemployed, those living on the margins, the bullied, the rejected, the fearful, the lonely, the addicted, the despairing, in short, well, all of us. Maybe today we can pivot just enough, not let theology get in the way of remembering who Jesus and God might be to us in our everyday lives. Another commentary I read this week about the text stuck with me. Emerson Cowery underscored a different way of suggesting what I think is the same point. He wrote, What do God's followers expect will happen from their interpretation of the biblical text week after week? Hopefully, he writes, something that will bring life and energy and meaning and substance to the reality in which they find themselves. I hope that is true as well. And that is why I think we gather here week after week. We read scripture collectively, and we consider the invitations we hear for our daily lives. We bring the totality of our blessed and messed lives together to read and then believe that we can be transformed in who we are together. I want our reading and our praying and our singing and our preaching to push us further than we could ever go as individuals. I want to learn together about the beauty of our scripture and tradition, while also developing a hermeneutic of suspicion and appreciation, a willingness to study the text and learn and question what we our wonderful tradition is built on a three-legged stool, scripture, reason, and tradition. We are inheritors of a rich legacy of ancestors who shaped who they were in the world because of the intermingling of those three components. I believe we do well to do the same. I want to end this morning with words from a 2016 Facebook post by author Anne Lamont that popped up in my feed the other day. They are a refreshing and contemporary reminder of how we might align our best intentions of living, what I would describe a three-legged, grateful, authentic life today. Over the years, I have found her writing to be a helpful voice. She loves Jesus. She wrestles with the messiness of life, especially her own, she says. She doubts, she shouts, she writes beautifully. She challenges me on a regular basis to question many of my assumptions. All good stuff.
Listen to her words and notice her ability to show up and be seen, to speak her truth, and in the end, her willingness to live in the paradoxical nature of our faith. She writes, Maybe God is in whom we move and live and have our being, but the world is also a chaotic place, and humanity is a chaotic place. And truth be told, I am a chaotic place some days, too. So I take the right action. I get my own emotional acre in order through radical self-care, serving the poor, sharing my M&Ms, and flirting with the very old on a regular basis. Then the insight follows. The one I share with my Sunday school kids every single week that all, evidence to the contrary, we are loved and chosen and saved. We stick together, we share, we listen. Wendell Berry tweeted earlier today, quote, love someone who doesn't deserve it, unquote. I'm gonna begin with my dog, Bodie, who accidentally, I think, ate a pound of butter and all the babies. <laughs> then I will work my way up to James Tony and maybe finish with myself. It's good to be afraid when it mobilizes us to fight tooth and nail for what is right, when it pricks the balloon of our complacency, when it gets us back on our feet. A lot of us are both afraid and devoutly faithful at exactly the same time, fairly often, for ourselves, for our kids, our elderly, our country, our government, but what is true and the exact right thing I need to hear today is that courage is fear that has said its prayers. My friends, that is what I need to hear today. More than the bullying of a religious group that simply is out to trick Jesus. Maybe today can be a reminder of how we live and for whom we show up in every way, large and small. I give deep thanks to this community and for our collective willingness to be both afraid and devoutly faithful, often at the same time, fairly often. It is indeed good to be afraid when it mobilizes us to fight tooth and nail for what is right, when it pricks the balloon of our complacency, and when it gets us collectively off our feet. It is, in fact, I think what Carmelite nun and mystic of the 16th century, Teresa, Teresa Avila, meant when she, it is said that she said, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. My friends, Christ has no body on earth but ours. May I